Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 136, hanging out with Reggie Jackson. Oh, nothing, Reggie Jackson. And we're talking about Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flies on the Wall, podcast that we like. We talk about Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. I knew Jimmy Fallon back in the day when he was a young comedian writing jokes in the middle of the night at my restaurant, which was open 24 hours. Uh, we talk about Ben and J-Lo. JT knows more about the Kardashians than any heterosexual in the United States of America. We talk about the All-Star game. We wax loquaciously. We're very autodidactic, man. We talk about everything. And it's powered by Bet Online. It continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information, latest odds, news, sports developments, including Major League Baseball, fighting news. Did you see that Ryan Garcia fight? He might be the toughest man on the planet right now with a wink and a nod to Canelo Alvarez. Both of those guys can knock you out with a shot to your liver or your kidneys. They are good. I bet online they have NFL futures too. Training camp opening up in the National Football League. Bet online is opened up as well with odds for team wins, division futures, and the Super Bowl. Head to the website now. Use your phone or just use your home PC. You get a 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BELIEVE, as in the BELIEVE Radio Network, B-L-E-A-V. BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Get that bonus and get into action at Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. Just got to push this button. And even though the recording is in progress, I don't have to include anything in case you want to talk about Oh, include it all. I actually put out a tweet <laughs> to our... To our millions of subscribers, millions, that's what people say on podcasts. Like <laughs> have no idea. I've never been in radio for 26 years. I've never met one human being who's got a, a ratings box or a diary. Never met one. And, I've, and I'm one of the only radio hosts that actually meet people in real life. And right. you know, everybody says, you know, millions of downloads and subscribers. We're just, we're just growing the podcast. We just do it. We just get our at-bats in. We, we fill the content machine up and then... As I've always said, someday they're going to go back and say, I want to listen to episode 12, episode 19 during COVID, or episode 150, and it's all going to come back to us, Tom. That's why our consultants say keep it evergreen. You know, talk about things that people can go back and listen to your podcast two years from now. If you talk about uh, Mookie's well, batting average <laughs> on a Wednesday, then it won't be as valuable a couple of years from now. I agree with that. And we added a video element. So for those of us, you could watch us and my son's tweaking around with the video here. I wore the Oklahoma hat today, the OU hat, in Love regards it, and in tribute to my son who's leaving tomorrow wow. as we record the podcast on Wednesday, July 20th. As I just got out of the pool, filled up my gas tank for $86 <laughs> and got a $2.83 wow. cup of coffee where the machine asked, how much would I like to tip when I put my card in? So I'm surprised I'm in a good mood. The machine said, <laughs> would I like to tip 15 18 I don't know how they came up with that number. 20 
other, and I press none because I have a theory in life. I don't tip for brown water. And a new theory, I don't tip for people who reach. If you reach for something, I won't tip. If you walk for something, if you go back to the kitchen and bring my steak, I will tip you well over 20%, 25 But if you reach for something, I still can't get my head around Reach it. for honey, maybe in a wooden spoon. <laughs> but my son and wife and my buddies are laughing at me because uh, I seem to get out of this because I have a couple of jobs. Uh, my wife has a job, too. She works her ass off. But they're driving tomorrow to Oklahoma from Vegas to Norman. Who's driving to Oklahoma? Your uh, mom my wife son? and son. Wow. My son starts his senior year, and he finally moves out of the fraternity house, which was Animal House, which I highly encouraged. Every kid who goes to college should, if we want to be, be in a fraternity, a big one, plantation-style house, and 80 guys, and he finally is making the transition to his own house with the fraternity brothers off campus to embark on his final year. He had a great summer interning for a famous sports agent in town, uh, trying to sign some kids to NIL deals and help that happen. He was great, worked hard. We had a great summer together. I'm so glad his college experience ended up being a good one because he started during COVID. Yeah, That wasn't fair. He had to come home and go back. And so many, and so many kids too. And your son, and, and my my godson, one of the several beautiful godsons I have, uh, graduated high school during COVID, so didn't really graduate. You know, didn't do all that stuff. And they're not missing as much as they think, but it's easier for us to say we got to do it. Well, my youngest son is going in a couple of weeks back to ASU which I believe Playboy still says is the hottest party school in wow. America or fun school there. And so he's going there. But, yeah, I mean, my son in Oklahoma, one or two of the semesters, he didn't have to come home, but he was there at this vibrant campus, and he had to do online. Well, so he had to the, be in his room. With that, the Playboy, have to, you always have to get your gay friends to read the Playboy articles to find out <laughs> to find out if that's still, still true because the rest of the boys aren't reading those articles. Yeah, Playboy. I didn't grow up in a household where my dad and other people hid Playboys underneath, you know, dressers, and oh. you had to go look and find them like a lot of young people who are downloading the I podcast a, don't understand. I've got a story about that. Friends house. Go ahead. Give it uh, to my, my dad with the foresight as a young dad in his 20s, you know, building for the future, had a, a side hustle as a, with vending machines and, and owned a business with my mother. And he was six feet two. And we had this little cabinet in the bathroom that my mother couldn't reach because she was five feet one. And the boys couldn't reach because we were tiny. And I always, once I got tall enough to reach it, I was probably a junior in high school. I thought, what's in there? And, and my dad had since died. And for years and years before, and you know what was in there? A in mint condition Playboy with Marilyn Monroe. Oh my God, what was that worth? Uh, I don't, you know, I've looked it up since, but I didn't want to remember, because what did I do? I took it out of there to show my friends, and I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Like it's that. like, you know, yeah, a Babe Ruth a baseball card. It was passed around to yeah. a young boy in Elmira, New York, until it was tattered, as the word is. Would you like, my, would you like some of my Playboy Mansion stories? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. of the JT and Looney podcast. So, you know, living in L.A., living in the Valley, in Sherman Oaks for 10 years and being in sports radio, there was always an opportunity to go to the Playboy Mansion because at some point later in Hef's life, they basically turned the Playboy Mansion into an auction house and a banquet room. Right. So anybody could do, you could have a golf tournament, you could have a charity, you could rent out the Playboy Mansion, which included the grotto, the bar, 
the back rooms, all of this. You couldn't get into the mansion, right? And I did once, but you couldn't get into Hep's house. And Hep was there, but you had the whole grounds to party. So I went on a run. I was on a run of about four or five years where I went once. I remember that. And basically, it was unbelievable. It lived up to the hype. You would get there. You'd have to go to UCLA's campus. So the security was pretty tight. You have to go to UCLA campus to a parking lot. And if you're on the list, you just they check you off, you show your ID, and then you get on a bus, a shuttle bus, and it would take you to Holmby Hills, right up the driveway, and you see a peacock out there and an animal here or there, and then you wow. pull into the Playboy Mansion, and then you were either wearing pajamas or nice clothes. It was always a theme party there, Halloween party, whatever it was. And then it was great. There were real playmates. There were athletes. There were comedians. And there was an open bar, and you could get in the grotto and do it. And I brought my wife a few times. One time my wife left a shoe there, infamous story there. She just got on the shuttle later. What happened to your shoe? I don't know. You know, one of those open (laughs) bar stories where we all had fun. I brought my brother-in-law and sister-in-law with me, and it turned out to be great. And they'd always auction off something there, Tom. So there'd be an auctioneer at the end of this night, and everybody would be hammered, and they'd auction off a Harley Davidson or a weekend trip to Europe, whatever it was, and people would be so hammered that they'd been on it, and then a a band would come, a house band or a band, and I saw Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Dennis Miller. You look around, David Spade back in the day. They were there uh, doing other parties, but normally it was great. So I went there five, six times in my life, and I'll tell you, Hef had a vision and a dream. And he opened it up for people to see, and I had some great times there. Well, it's a, you know, we're both into goal visualization and daring to dream, and it's amazing. When Hef's story, Hef's guy's an amazing story, as does Larry Flint has an amazing story. they just story. try to cancel Hef? Then they try to cancel him? Yeah, oh, they dead. did. Those the, scoundrels the, who want to cancel people when they're dead, like John Wayne and Hugh Hefner, two of the greatest icons of all time. Yeah. And now that they're not here, people want to cancel them, right? We've got to be careful about that and oh, because really. as our values change and as we evolve as human beings, as we discover what our moral blindness might have been, we got to be careful because – as we are alive right now on this day in 2022, you and I are morally blind about something that might embarrass us if we're on the $5 bill 100 years from now. And we just don't know. We're good people who don't know it. And there are good people who were, uh, who are going by society's norms sometimes over the past and that were morally blind, to, to, as was everyone around them, not excusing it, explaining it. Which so so sometimes we have to be careful. There are other circumstances where I'm all for it. Some of the statues that are standing in black people's faces all those years, uh, I think of uh, you know they've been they've been asking and asking and asking kindly, and no one ever did anything, and so finally people tore them down. I in some of those cases I understood it, but we do have to be careful with with what you're talking about there about judging people with our present uh, our, our our present glasses who may have been morally blind in the past because we're going to be embarrassed in the future too. I want to give a plug to another podcast on a different platform that you can get wherever you download our podcast. David Spade and Dana Carvey have a podcast called Fly on the Wall, and I love the podcast. I'm a subscriber. I download it. It's like us, but they're celebrities, real celebrities. We're radio, AM radio at times for some, uh, and I always always point that out, but those – 
Yeah, David Spade was on Jimmy Kimmel last night because Dana Carvey was the guest host. Oh, okay. I, I listened to every podcast. I haven't missed one. So there, it was basically they were promoting their podcast, talking about their friendships. And the concept of the podcast, Fly on the Wall, is they bring back, they've had over 50, 50 guests. And the most recent one was Jimmy Fallon. And they look back on their careers at Saturday Night Live. So they bring in Saturday Night Live former host and or sketch writers the writers are great the writers are unbelievable conan o'brien was a writer you sent Every, me a, a link to robert a writer Schmeigel, I, robert yeah, was that i had never heard of he was yes, terrific and yeah. he's really big because yeah. triumph the dog that was him and so i watched those guys on kimmel last night and they were really fun talking about their podcast and you know they throw a guest on and we're gonna we thrown guests on and we're gonna throw more coming up here but just to see two guys tell stories great friends and the reason why they're doing it is they started. They go to dinner once a week, and they go to dinner with Dennis Miller, and they go to dinner dinner with Chris Rock, and one Whoa. of them said, "Let's just do a podcast. Let's just talk about what we just talked about at dinner," and it's really good. And uh, they were on Jimmy Kimmel last night, and I really like Dana Carvey because he did impressions. He did impressions of Johnny Carson, and he does a new impression of President Biden, which is oh, really God. good. Oh, really good. Oh, God. He's working on. So I just wanted to share that as I'm going to be driving to Duck Creek, Utah this weekend for my last weekend. Oh, my God. You're becoming summer, a, a Utah file. Yeah, the summer of JT. Quick three-hour drive to go with some friends to beat the heat as we transition to this global heat concern. Well, you're going too fast. I want to talk about the heat, but let me touch on a couple of things you mentioned there. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon, I knew as a young comedian, he used to write all night at Van Gogh's ear. I had a, a coffee house, an art gallery that was open 24 hours in Venice that was really popular back in the day. And Jimmy Fallon used to sit there as a young comedian and write jokes all night. Uh, good guy. Jimmy Kimmel. Shout out to Jimmy Kimmel for doing what Johnny Carson used to do. Dave didn't do it. David Letterman, who we love, didn't do it. And Jay Leno didn't do it. They didn't allow anyone to guest host. Uh, what if the guest host was better? Johnny thought, fine, if the guest host is better. It gives people quality entertainment. Dave and Jay weren't secure enough to do it. I love that Jimmy Kimmel is secure enough to say, sure, you know, take over my show. I love that he's doing that. Uh, you were talking about conversations turned into movies and conversations turned into podcasts. There's a movie coming out. I always thought when I saved my $300 million, and I'm not there yet, <laughs> or if I won it, that one of the one, one of the movies I would produce, I have a whole list of movies that I would produce, and one of them is called Raised Eyebrows. It was a book that was great. It was a kid at UCLA who loved the Marx Brothers. And I don't know about the, much about the Marx Brothers, but you and I watch Groucho Marx on You Bet Your Life on WPIX. Mm -hmm. That's that's as much as I know about Groucho. Well, you did. You're dating yourself. You did. I didn't. Uh, oh, okay. Didn't it, well, Marx. it was. We were the. Okay. We were. Well, we're. Basically the same age. It was on WPIX late when I was a kid. But nevertheless, um, I certainly didn't watch it when it was on. It was on in like the fucking 50s. <laughs> but uh, it was in black and white. But anyway, this kid got an internship at Groucho's house. And what he did was uh, he would go over every day and help with lunch. And every day, Groucho would hold lunch like Queen Elizabeth. And Johnny Carson would come over for lunch, and Elizabeth Taylor would come over for lunch, or his brother Zeppo would come over for lunch. Legends would come, John Wayne would come over for lunch. And these legends would come over for lunch every day 
with Groucho. That just reminded me of the dinners you were talking about with uh, with the guys on Saturday with Dave Spade. And and now they're going to make that into a movie. They they got my idea, and they're going to make that into a movie. I just uh, saw that in Hollywood Reporter. So that is a movie to keep your eye out for. So it, it should be excellent. It should be. Uh, it, it probably will be narrow casting because <laughs> most of the people who enjoyed Groucho are dead. But should be a, a great film. And we transition to the heat. Well, the heat is very interesting because I live in the hottest place in the world this time of year, which is Vegas yeah. or Arizona. So we got to get out. And this was the summer I was able to do that a little bit. But there is a heat wave in Europe, which is killing a lot of people. And the UK yeah. had their hottest day of all time. That got my attention. And they don't have air conditioning. All no. time. 104 degrees. And I said 104 uh, that that's before noon here in Vegas, 104. We have 104 every day in right. July and August. But you're right about that, that they don't have air conditioning. And I couldn't believe the stat. One percent, less than one percent of the homes in Europe have air conditioning. And I was shocked. And obviously they don't need it the majority of the time until now. And they're, well, they're, and they're also not as temperature spoiled as we are. I was in in uh, in Italy during the summer. And, you know, you walk into a what would be the equivalent of a 7-Eleven, a store, and they don't have a temperature cooled, so you're comfortable in there. They just don't have the air conditioning. They just don't. You're just hot in there, too. Right. And uh, and so that's what surprised me. But we, we walk into any low-end store, and they have it freezing for you, and they don't have it. I, I was just, when I first checked, my first time I went to Italy, I've been there twice, loved it. Uh, it stays with you. I went down to, it was like 9 in the morning, went down, I waited because I wasn't the first one in line. I went back to the front concierge. When I got there, he, the guy looked at me and said, air conditioning, <laughs> before I opened my mouth. So I didn't want to feel like the ugly American, but I said, yes, they sent somebody up, and the guy said, I'll turn it on high, come back about 5 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, they're not air conditioning obsessed like we are, and so they're dying. Well, these fires that I'm watching as we're actually doing this on the national news in France and in Spain, I don't think they're, I mean, they got great firefighters all over the world. A firefighter is just a hero. Firefighter puts out a forest fire. Are you kidding me with planes dropping retardant over them? And you, know, you can get surrounded by a forest fire and die uh, pretty yeah. easily, right? And even if you know what you're doing and you're even a firefighter. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. Very good point here, but... I've been watching this, and I'm fascinated by this because in Vegas, we, they give us too much of the weather. They start the news off with the weather. Right. And it really pisses me off. I tell that to my wife almost every night. I finish the show, hang out for a while, put on the 10 or 11 o'clock no, local news, and they start with the weather. It's, it's lazy. Yep. It's lazy as shit. It's, it's, they start with the weather, especially in a place where we never get any rain. So they never tell. They just tell us what the heat's going to be. You know, Lester Holt, who's terrific, and you watch you watch nightly news. Uh, David Muir, who's ever host, who's ever anchoring CBS, NBC, ABC nightly news. We grew up watching those type of shows. They're terrific, but they're lazy too. They'll look out the window if it's snowing in Manhattan, and they'll lead. With, well, well, people are watching in Kansas. They don't care if it's snowing in Manhattan, but they lead with weather. It's it's, it's lazy. They look and out the window and they start with that. Yeah, and the seat wave is really serious here. So for everybody listening to us internationally, uh, get through that there. And look, the only problem I wanted to mention here is I just don't want your theory if you're a meteorologist on global warming during your during your newscast. I don't want to hear about it because, again, we all have different opinions on global warming dating back to the dinosaurs 
dating back to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. dating back to Benjamin Franklin and how hot this country's been. And I believe that we're doing damage to this country with greenhouse gases and manufacturing and China is spitting fuel into the sky all the time. I try to do my part. I recycle a bit. I turn down the uh, thermometer. I do certain things. I turn up the thermometer, excuse me, but I know that I'm not making a difference. And again, it's very tough. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way. I'm not making any difference at all, but everybody wants us to pretend that we're all making a difference when we have a lot of people that are driving around, flying around in private jets and landing overseas and, and going to a, glo- a global climate meeting on a private jet and telling us how we live well, our lives. Right, and a lot of times they're doing that to try to get us to collectively. We can collectively make a difference. You know that. Collectively, if yeah. everyone puts in a dime, you can raise in a lot of money. You don't say, my dime doesn't make a difference. No, you toss your dime in the bucket. Oh, I'm all for, a, I'm all for collecting money that way. I just don't believe I, that. I, if the entire country of India and the entire country of China is spitting out fuels and waste all over the world... I don't think I'm going to make that big of a difference. Well, you're right. Right. What, what the key is, is we try to get, if they're right, everything in that Al Gore movie was right. I was thinking about this today. We've talked about it a lot, that how upset I am that the movie An Inconvenient Truth was hosted by a politician. And if it had been hosted by Meryl Streep or Morgan Freeman or Tom Hanks, people wouldn't say, what, is is Morgan Freeman running for election, running for president again? People, I didn't vote for him. I don't like him. I'm not watching the movie. Because Al Gore hosted that movie, it ruined getting a lot of people's mind open to what might be happening because everything in that movie is coming true. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I did. It's everything in that movie. The floods, the tsunamis, the, the uh, Europe heating up. And so I'm hoping he's wrong. I'm hoping the whole global warming, climate change thing is wrong. If people do uh, take a look at the weather and say, well, it's cold, they say it's warming. Don't mix up weather with climate. There's a difference. Climate is the study of weather over time. Uh, People tend to mix those things up. I don't know enough about science to be talking too much about it, and neither do you. But... We do. I, I do. And I'm surprised you're not saying we can't collectively make a difference. You played rugby. I played football. You know, you can do things as uh, a team. We can. We yeah. can help as a team, but it's yeah. going to take a long. I, I just know it's going to be hot. I know we need it's India and China to pinch in. Yeah. I just know 400 years from now, it's going to be hot in July and August, and it's going to snow in January and February. But I, I digress. On a sports angle, as we were originally a sports podcast, the All-Star Game was in Los Angeles. Oh, my God last night and i'm an american league fan the american league has won nine in a row which is really hard to do so a really big topic of this week has been the dumbing down of american sports fans and it's something that i will die on the hill for that i won't die on the hill for megan raponi i won't die on the hill for certain (laughs) topics but i'll die on the hill saying that these leagues are trying to dumb you down so we found out there was a news dump but usually news dumps come on friday no one knew the story that Major League Baseball shh, quietly dropped in a new rule in the All-Star game that if, the, if it went to the 10th inning, they were going to have a home run derby. And initially I said, what a shitty idea that is. Because I grew up with Pete Rose and co-hosted the Pete Rose show. And Pete Rose, I think he won like 17 out of 19 All-Star games. Something insane. I'll double check. It's that crazy. Like the National League went into the clubhouse before the All-Star game with Johnny Bench, Willie Mays, 
Henry Aaron, right, right. Right. and the the president of the National League would give a speech that was legendary, and talk about how important it was to win the game. Everything was on the line, bragging rights and all of that, and they were able to do that. I talked about that with Reggie Jackson, who called into my show on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio. He was grocery shopping. He heard me talking about this. He went in and shopped for produce. <laughs> now texted me, and here's our conversation. Reggie, I'm furious that they're going to change the All-Star game, which you dominated at, with a home run derby if the game goes to the 10th inning tide. What do you feel about that rule change that could be installed tomorrow night? Um, I, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's the first time that I don't really mind a change. Okay. okay. Um, I, I just, I, I'll never understand putting a guy on second base to end a game. Um, I guess, you know, because games are too long. So, you know, I don't like that part of it in the all-star game. If you do want to do something kind of crazy, I guess, I, I guess I'm okay with that. I don't know how it's going to work. You know, you, I, I feel like you should get three outs and the guy that hits the most homers in the three outs, foul balls don't count, but you get three outs, you get one mm-hmm. inning, and then the other guy gets an inning and whoever wins after that, bam. But well, I Reggie, what about another, the... I, I hope it's not another one-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> But Reggie, you know, I I talked to Pete Rose about this over the years, and Pete would tell the story about how the NL commissioner would come in, the president of the NL, and give a speech going up against you in the American League and how important the All-Star game was to win it. Not only the extra money, but the bragging rights. And you played in so many. What was it like for you? I remember the same thing. And, and, you know, now today's players don't want to play. They don't want to go. And I think the winner d- determines home field for the World Series. Yeah, they, they got rid of that. that. Yeah, they got rid of that because that, that was oh, okay. that was something that oh, they stopped okay. with. But okay. but they, it, told, it showed you what happened. They had a game end in a tie. They ended up doing that. And now they're putting a home run derby in the 10th inning. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it, but. I'll just try to go along with it, if you will. Sure. Um, I don't like the format on the home run derby that they've got, but it is what it is because it's too many swings for the players because a couple guys have gotten hurt. So, but I don't want to be negative because I, no, I, I got love you. the game. I, I don't want to be a bitcher. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it, it's great. Uh, it's in the middle of the season. I remember what you just said about Pete. Um, the arc, uh, uh, the guy that ran the mass, national American league was, uh, Lee McPhail and he mm. would come in and they'd look at me, George Brett, Rod Carew, and ask us to play nine innings. I yeah. played nine innings in some games. And I went to the, the press conference the day before and then, uh, played nine innings and then went home traveled the day to go home and then played the next day. Didn't have a couple of days off. And I was honored. Sure you were. Reggie yeah. asked to play uh, uh, nine innings because Mays played nine innings because people wanted to see him and he let off. 
incredible. Willie Mays leads off. Reggie Jackson joins us, Hall of Famer. Reggie, everybody knows you're Mr. October, three home runs in the World Series, but how many people still talk about the 71 All-Star game, the home run off the Transformer? Was that the sweetest, longest, purest home run that you ever hit? Um, you know, the, uh, the, the wind was blowing out that night. <laughs> That's what Johnny Bench tells me. But, uh, <clears throat> I had a couple of balls. I had a ball in Minnesota one time over the scoreboard there, uh, like 430 feet away. And you got $50,000 if you hit a tree and I hit it over the tree, uh, in, in, in Minnesota. Uh, and then I hit a couple ball. I hit a ball in the Ivy in Oakland. Um, which was probably yeah. 400, 500 feet or so. And then the ball I hit in the World Series there, I probably hit set 475 to 500. But um, I don't know. You have to really go to, to, to get one past the one I hit in the All-Star game. But I did hit other homers. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> Reggie Jackson joins us. Hey, Reggie, big topic. Juan Soto won tonight. He turned down $440 million over 15 years, Aaron Judge turned down his contract to hopefully get more, and he's backing it up. Mike Trout got over $400 million, but he's been banged up a lot, and you played for that franchise. What do you think about these $400 million contracts? I mean, if you're a player, I understand why you sign it, but is the game getting away from that going forward? The only thing I'll say to you, JT, is if you take a look at the basketball contracts now where – I think Damian Lillard signed a two-year extension for 25 and 26 for 62, 61 million a year. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and nobody really said much, but I think that that Curry, Steph Curry, touches 47 to 50. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, you know, if they can get the money, I'm happy for them. I wish it was me. I wish I was uh, 30 years younger. At the same time here, uh, you can't tell me if you're spending that kind of money that you're losing money. I'll, I'll never Absolutely. buy it because the guys that own teams, they're, they're too wealthy and they're too smart. Um, and so uh, it, could there be a team that could go bankrupt in the future? I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the, the big money franchises, the guys with these – you know, huge uh, local regional television deals. I know the Angels have a $2.4 billion local TV deal. Yeah, the, and, the, and the TV Dodgers deals. And... One, I, want to, I want to say the Dodgers deal approaches $8 billion local. So yeah, the... The, the money's there, and I'm, I'm, you know, happy for them that it is there, to be honest with you. But um, you can't sign a guy for 15 years. That's not happening. Uh, if it was offered, uh, he should have. Re- his parents should have should have re- drove him right to the ballpark. <laughs> hey Reggie, right I only got a I only got a minute to go. How are you going to watch the All Star Game? What are your plans for the mid summer night classic Tuesday night? Um, I I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch some of it. Okay. I'll probably watch. I'll probably want some of it. I want to see the Astro guys, and I always like to see mm. the great players and Betts and Judge. I like to see the great players. I really do. Uh, uh, Soto and 
uh, even at Pujols today. I didn't really see much of the home run derby. I was playing golf, but I, I like to see the stars. I still still love the game and appreciate it. So I'll watch some of it, but I'm not going to sit there for nine. 71 All-Star game. So with Reggie there, you can tell he cared about it more, but he's evolved on it a bit. And as the game went on last night, it was 3-2. The National League scored two in the bottom of the first and didn't score again. How would you like to be a Dodger fan sitting in the crowd there? A Dodger pitcher lost the game. Giancarlo Stanton, a Yankee who grew up in the Valley and went to Notre Dame High School, won the MVP. And I had a really tough moment, Tom, because as a talk show host, I wanted to make history. I wanted to be on live during extra innings in a home run derby. Mm-hmm. But deep down inside, I don't like that trash. I want the game to end in regulation or the proper way. Where do you stand on this? Well, I'm always a little reluctant as much as I always want to evolve as a human being. I've always wanted us to evolve as a show. I always want to be an evolving person. And with the sports, I've always been stubborn whenever they change the rules. A lot of times I ended up being wrong. And I ended up liking when they added the two-point conversion in the National Football League, if I may date myself with that. Oh. Uh, they moved the goalposts back in the NFL. You used to be able to run into them and kill yourself when you were, when you were doing a down and out or a down and in. And they, I didn't ever like when they changed any rules in my favorite sports. And a lot of times when they have, the sport got better. They added teams in the playoffs. And the NFL. And- the wild card. I get Bud Selig, who wasn't a fan of ours, he called into our show, our show, and tried to get us fired. Right. Because we weren't talking right about him. Uh, when it came to that, they added the wild card, and I was fine with that. Then they added a second wild card. And did you know, Tom Looney, that there's a third wild card now, which I believe is too much. So our conversation here is about more of our attention spans and the fact that they, the leagues, believe, A, we're stupid. B, the generation behind us has zero attention span. They used to watch two-minute and 30-second videos on their phones. Now they got to do them in a minute 30 because kids can't even pay attention to that. And now they want to cancel the Pro Bowl with no tackling. They want extra innings in baseball in the All-Star game where Ted Williams and Stan Musial and Johnny Bench played. to have a home run derby. It's got to stop. Well, I'm the guy that yells hurry up at my microwave, so I'm not going to trash the TikTok generation. <laughs> I also get stuck. Boy, do you, do you ever – I get stuck in a TikTok addiction at times. I haven't and, had, been there yet. I haven't gone oh there Oh, my yet. God. Well, my first of all, I'm – Oh, it's terrific. It's terrific. Well, first of all, the algorithms are amazing. They figure out exactly what you like. And they, they you know, they, they, they know I like pets. They know I, they seem to know I like the uh, when cops pull people over. And so I'm all I get is that stuff. And it's uh, it, it, it's excellent. And and people have gotten to be better and better filmmakers and teasers and tease ahead for part two. And I think you'll like it. But I just like just like when we we were reluctant to add UFC to our sports plate, not because we didn't have great respect for those guys putting their lives on the line for our entertainment, but it was one more sport. Oh, my God, can we handle one more sport and one more Saturday night? But we finally did, and I can understand why you might be reluctant to add another app to your phone that you're going to be pushing well, and pulling and talking. The issue about. becomes our attention span. Yeah, I know. And I don't know if you and I should be pointing. Should you and I be pointing our finger at anybody else about attention span? 
Well, I'm just wondering why they're so worried about it. Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball. Gary Bettman goes to a three-on-three at the All-Star game. Roger Goodell with the way he's evolving. I think the NFL does a pretty good job, but they butchered the Pro Bowl. And then we get to the NBA All-Star game, which used to be mean a lot. And now it's a joke. And I'm talking about dumbing down society with the NBA All-Star game. The last five minutes of the game, they play their ass off. The first three and a half quarters, it's a layup line. Oh, yeah, and, and the Pro defense. Bowl. You're right. And we used to work with a colleague, Seth Everett, who used to work also for the New York Mets over there. And he, he would love this conversation because he would always point out that the number one app at the app store is MLB.com. And that baseball is doing fine. He was always a big proponent of pointing out facts when it came to baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers set attendance records year in and year out. And the good old days for baseball, actually, you know, when they talk about how maybe it has maybe it's seen better days. No, this might be the good old days. You know, what, I think it was Red Barber, some legendary uh, Yankee announcer back in the day, got fired for announcing the attendance in the late 50s or early 60s because there were only like 3,000 people at a Yankee game. And he not, and because he mentioned it, he got fired. And right now, you know, there, there will never be as little as 3,000 people at a Yankee game nowadays, but there was back then. So the games, even though you think of that as the glory days. So you're right. They may be too worried. And I think even as a country, they can even say, as a country, we do that. People are worried that the country has never been worse and, and our country is falling. We're losing our soul. And, God, we got a great country, and it was just fine, and it is just fine. Stop fighting. And baseball, we got a great sport. It was just fine, and it is just fine. Stop changing the rules. Get your stinking hands off my baseball and other sports. What I want to say, Charlton Heston, right in Planet of the Apes, get your stinking paws off me. Stop messing with my sports. It's alarming how they want to change everything because of time restraints. I'll say this again. I said it on the air, uh, radio, that I, I live in Vegas. We don't have Major League Baseball. We don't want the A's. The A's suck, and they're trying to play. Their politicians stink, and they're using Vegas, and they're ripping off these great fans in Oakland. But when I want to go see a Major League game, i got to go see you in L.A. to see the Dodgers or the Angels right. in Anaheim. Or I take my kids to Seattle in the past, and San Diego is one of my favorite ballparks. Why do they think I'm in a rush? Why do they think that I want to be done in two hours and 20 seconds. Now, if I was an 82 game, you know, if I had season tickets and every game went three or four hours like a Yankee Red Sox game, which is a great rivalry, I would get it. But it's so amazing that people are concerned when they go recreate and relax. You're supposed to get a hot dog, an adult beverage, or a Pepsi, nachos. And you're not supposed to be on your phone. You're not supposed to be looking at your watch. You're supposed to get into the game. I'm not saying you have to keep score with a pencil and a scorebook, but you're supposed to kind of zone out and enjoy the game. And now they're so worried about 10 additional minutes, Tom. 16 additional minutes. And I just, it didn't happen last night, but they could have quickly got to the ninth inning in a 3-3 game. And then a home run derby would have broke out. Really? That would have been lame, but kids would have loved it, and Sports Center would have led with it, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, and I don't know if the kids would have loved it. A, and B, uh, you know, I, I, whenever uh, Mookie Betts 
I swear to God, is bat, batting a thousand. Everyone got to see last night. He makes a difference in a game. It's unbelievable. He's a difference in a game. He's a one or two run difference on your team, and as he was last night. And so I love watching the Dodgers with Mookie, and I watch from the beginning because of Mookie and because they put together an all-star team. It's a lot of fun to watch. Doesn't matter who's up; they're great. But uh, and so when, when sometimes when the Dodgers go into extra innings and they've got so many great comebacks, they got more comeback wins than any team in baseball this year. So that's why they're always in it, even when they're behind six nothing. It's great. I get a little disappointed in the tenth inning because I keep forgetting about there's going to be a guy on second base. I'm going fuck. There's a guy in second base. You know when the other team has a guy on second base, I don't like it. So I don't know that they needed to change that. I do, you know, the greatest college foot. Where are you going? The king of transition? You say, why do they think you're in a hurry, JT? The greatest college football game ever played might have been USC in Texas. Where were you the last five minutes of that game? I was on the road. <laughs> I left the greatest game of all time because I bought into traffic. And remember, USC was up by 12. I right. didn't leave them up by three. Right. I You're right. them up by 12. It is a low moment. It is the low moment. Thank you. <laughs> you were Thank the car hitting the brakes when Kirk Gibson's home run went over the wall, right? <laughs> I'll never forget the look on my face when my former mentor, RPD Andrew Ashwin and I, because we were there early. We were there early at that game. We had right. credentials, open bar. We, we had a good buzz on. And, you know, we looked at each other, and USC went up by 12, and we're like, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And we got out of there, and we got in the car, and we're pulling away, and I live really close. <laughs> right. That's the sad part of the story. I live really <laughs> close to Pasadena and Sherman Oaks. And I get off the 134, and I pull up, and my wife opens up the front door, and she goes, she looks back at the TV, and she's like, what are you doing home? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we got it wrong. And I am cherry picking, you know, because you know, in, in statistics class, that would be called a throwout statistic. It's the 91 year old lady who smokes Marlboro Reds because you're always the guy that says don't leave. So that's what's the irony there is because you I'm not the, perfect. The time you did. I have, I have some scars. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few. But, you know, getting back to our point about them changing sports all yeah. the time, they're really fucking with baseball. A lot lately with the runner. on. I know COVID, you mix that in, the runner on second base. Uh, and, and maybe I don't have room to complain about it because I get to watch the Dodgers every night. And they, they got all that money and they're able to you know bring in whatever player they want. And, uh, and so I, 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 maybe other people are, are getting antsy at Brewers games, but I'm not getting antsy watching the Dodgers. Uh, one last thing. I know there's a little boy or girl waking up in Tokyo, 14 or a little girl in Prague that looks at their mom and dad and says, Mommy, did they really act like this in Hollywood, California? <laughs> J-Lo and Ben Affleck got married in Vegas. Right. And when the Kardashians drop off their kids to their divorced former partners and their new Hollywood partners are hiding behind the door and, right. you know, Khloe Kardashian, who knows that Tristan Thompson cheats on her all the time, decides to have another kid with him with a surrogate and all this stuff. And I, I just think around the world, what do they say about us when they see our celebrity, our celebrityness, and what we're doing? And I wanted to wrap it up with Ben Affleck and J-Lo because I've always said, there's millions of beautiful women in the world. Ben Affleck could marry any one of millions. And Tom Brady did it right. He uh, had Bridget Moynihan, 
had a kid with her. That didn't go right. So then he married a Brazilian swimsuit model. Right. So he gets a pass. Yes. <laughs> a mulligan. Ben Affleck breaks up with J-Lo 20 years ago when they're engaged. J-Lo's had six total rings. There's a big joke going around. J-Lo, since the 80s, has had six rings. Six. <laughs> And the Dallas Cowboys have none. Did you see that meme? That's that's funny. Incredible. So J-Lo's got six rings. The Cowboys got none. But within the last year or 14 months, A-Rod was sleeping with J-Lo every day, multiple times a day. And Ben Affleck is able to put the blinders on and say, me and you were with each other once. I've moved on. I had kids with Jennifer Garner. I dated the gal from Saturday Night Live, the, the head producer. I've had this and that and addictions in and out of rehab. And I'm going back to you as J-Lo again, Mark Anthony, A-Rod and all of this. I'm just fast. I don't know why it fascinates me. It fascinates me because there's children involved. So when Jennifer Garner drops off those kids to Ben and J-Lo, those kids, one of them in the backseat of the car is going to go, wait a second. Daddy married J-Lo and daddy was married to mommy and daddy used to date J-Lo and A-Rod was with J-Lo a year, 14 months ago. We are insane in this country the way we treat relationships. And especially now. people aren't, Don't people realize your children will grow up and have Google? <laughs> don't they realize that? Because they couldn't do that uh, back in the day, and now they will. Well, we're very dramatic, as you may have noticed here in Hollywood. We, we slap people at the Oscars. We, <laughs> we, we think there's no fine line between love and hate. I think that's a really cool part of Hollywood. We do learn in first grade antonyms. Love and hate are antonyms. There are no, there's no fine line between love and hate. Be a good breaker-upper, because if you did used to date that person, you loved that person. Don't hate them. Don't have a, a messy divorce or a messy breakup or, or you know, and then like Johnny Depp, take it public and have public trials. No. Love and hate are antonyms. Love the people that you broke up with or remarry them. If you love them. And I did, yeah, he's suffering from Derek Fisher syndrome. Ben Affleck <laughs> suffers from Derek. You could date anyone in the world and just don't date your teammate's wife. There's a 29-year-old supermodel <sighs> on a beach in Peru just yeah. waiting for Ben Affleck to come yeah. by with a cup of coffee. Or Derek Fisher. That. You're right. And, and I want to leave everybody with this thought. Close your eyes unless you're driving. We appreciate everybody who drives and listens to the podcast. Imagine you're Chris Jenner. The grandmother, Chris Jenner, who was with, you know, back in the day, Bruce Jenner before Bruce became Caitlyn and right. before that, Robert Kardashian and she, OJ and all that. Imagine she's in a big mansion in Calabasas or Bel Air and she's got a massive circular driveway that could fit like 50 cars. And she's got all her grandkids with her, oh, right? Boy. All her grandkids. Oh, God. And then if you look outside, there's bodyguards, valets, and drivers dropping off and picking up all the grandkids from the different relationships. So there's Scott Disick and there's right. And there's Pete Davidson and Kanye bodyguards separating the boyfriends and the ex-husbands from killing each other. Kanye wants to get to Pete Davidson and he's just (laughs) laughing going, nah, 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 nah. I got her. I got her now. And then, uh, Chloe, and then we get to Courtney, and she's with Travis Barker, and Lord Disick's out there going, oh, my God, my children are now with Travis Barker all day instead of me. And Chris Jenner is just sitting there, 
sitting outside these giant doors of the mansion, waving to all the breaker-uppers and all the former son-in-laws and all the former guys who got her daughters pregnant and got out of their lives. That's American celebrity as we wrap up. That's what America looks like to a little girl in Tokyo, a little boy in South Africa. That's what they think of America when it comes to our celebrity. You know more about the Kardashians than any heterosexual in North America. I will tell you that. I remember when Twitter first came out, you said, all I want is as many Twitter followers as Courtney Kardashian. Isn't that Didn't what you happen. said? <laughs> I think Elon Musk, when he got rid of all the bots, right. I stopped at 55,000 and all the bots and fake accounts went away. Oh, then, I know. I hated when they did that. Support. Yeah, oh you, didn't like, you didn't like when uh, Twitter scrubbed all your fake When they followers. scrubbed the bots, I went back below 20,000. Oh, my God, I'm strugg struggling to get back there. Uh, I'll leave you with something on the way out. So, again, I'm going to get away from the heat one more time. When we come back, we'll jump into NFL training camps. Oh boy. We'll get ready for the NFL. Uh, a round of applause for me, who today, actually today, July 20th, 2022, this is considered the toughest day of the year to do radio. All right. Just did a podcast. I'm about to do two hours and three hours. Now, we don't put out oil fires. I'm not in the military. I'm not a police officer in harm's way. I'm not a school teacher that works harder. Or a fireman working in I Europe. Don't, I don't have to replace air conditioners in July in Vegas. But I'm going to be, I'm one of the rare solo hosts left. I'm about to go out on a venture of trying to come up with five hours of sports radio content. Oh, my God. On the most difficult day oh of the year God. where there's no baseball game, no football game, no college football game. No hockey game. There's nothing. No NASCAR race. So this is it. You're going to have to channel Fidel Castro, who used to go on TV and give five-hour speeches in Cuba. <laughs> You're going to have to channel him. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. Thanks for downloading. Now, please share. Did he say share? If I could turn back time. Thank you for listening to all 48 minutes and 44 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast powered by our partners at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.